Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Today is the day. Uh, yes, today is the day. Today is the today day. Today is the day. It's release day. Yeah, oh, I kind of oh, just oh. want to disappear. I just kind of just want to disappear. It's it's weird. You'll see when you get Why? to this What's point. What's weird about it? I don't know. It's, it's exciting because I've never done a book before and I'm putting myself out there in a way I never have, but it's equally terrifying at the same time. Like you're giving people another opportunity to have all these opinions about you, but these are new opinions because you're learning about a whole different side of me, including opinions from my family because they're going to learn some new things as well. I didn't give them the book before. They're going to read with Uh everybody else. Right. They're going to read with everyone else. You're finally going to talk about your disdain for these long field trips religious field trips that you would take with the judge visiting different churches and temples around the Southeast United States. That they probably appreciate that better than the stuff that that I'm discussing. You better not, you better not give the judge too much business on this. I'm telling you. I'm not going to tell the judges. I'm telling my business, which still, you know, you know how it is growing up. You don't talk about family business. You don't talk about yourself. You don't tell people. You have, you have more about the judge or more about pretty hair. About pretty hair. That's your mom. That's, That's my mom. mom. Your That's... mom is pretty hair. That's I why. would probably say my dad. I have more about my dad. <laughs> can't wait for this. <laughs> can't wait for this. I can't wait to get miss me with that in the mail. I can't wait till it I'm comes. I'm mad that you haven't already. I don't I'm understand do what's taking you. You probably haven't checked your mail. That's probably what if, it is. I, it might be in there on the, co- on the <laughs> counter, as a matter of fact. It might be there. I'm going to do... On Instagram Live, I think this Saturday, I think everybody needs to jump on. I think I'm going to do, I'm going to choose a chapter and I'm going to do a dramatic reading for oh, Miss Me With That. Don't do this. Don't do this. What is this oh, your that's recipe? Happening. Is this your recipe? This is, and this is why recipe. I don't want you to watch the season. This is right. why <laughs> this is I don't want you to see The Bachelorette. Right. <laughs> I can't wait to do this. Dramatic reading. Put it in the Reddit, put it on the Facebook. All the thought words, I'm going to do a dramatic reading. I, I might even do it in Rachel voice. <laughs> Listen, there won't be a family meeting. You totally have permission to use my voice. Yeah, I'm going to okay, do it. You have I got to I gotta go through the book and see which chapter is going to be. I'm going to do it's the dramatic It's probably going to be the Miss Sex Education of Rachel Lindsay because of how oh! it starts off. That's probably going to be the essay you're going to want to start off with. I can't wait. I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my little glasses on. Stop. I'm going to have I'm going to know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have I'm going to have like a fireplace behind me cuz oh yo, I'm are you aware over. of me? I'm coming over if you're doing this dramatic I'm with that. reading. I'm going to do this. This is going to happen. Like I can't wait. Are you aware of the fireplace that they have on YouTube? Have we talked about this? Brian and I used to use it during COVID when we would do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when we would do what? Oh, okay. Let me, let me Jesus explain. Jesus Christ. Wow. We would um, we would do interviews. We would do this whole interview segment thing in, in quarantine. You know, people were trying out new stuff. And we would have the fire behind us during our interviews. What kind of freaks are getting horny <laughs> off YouTube? You know what? Jesus Stop. Christ. Stop. Stop. You guys, man. I saw you post him uh, with the, the abs. Yeah, I, um, I well, he posted that. that picture by himself. Did he? About, you didn't see the picture he posted on his page. No, the go, last thing I saw on it. on Brian's page was Brian with all the fellas. 
go look know, at the, go look at go look at the other last picture. And I said, oh, okay, we post some thirst traps. Oh, Let's use that to promote my book. Oh yeah, god damn, this nigga's in great shape. Jesus Christ, just stretching my neck. Get out of here, Brian. <laughs> it's so. It's it's so. It's it, it, uh, we're the same age. <laughs> like why can't? Like, <laughs> damn it! The rage. The rage. Yeah. Well, whatever, man. Very upsetting now. Um, but I'm happy with the, the books coming out today. The the books coming out. Miss me with that. You can get it in all the places that you get books. All the places, you know, yes. Barnes and Noble. Is it Barnes and Nobles or Barnes and Noble? Man, if you hadn't said that, I could have told you. Unclear. Is it is Barnes and Noble or is it with an S? I used to say I think Nobles. Well, black I think people, it's black noble. people put an S on stuff. And, you know, we, we love to say a V. The Barnes yeah. and Nobles. You know. Right. I don't think yeah, there's squ- an S. But Squid Games. Wrong. <laughs> like y'all seen Squid Games? They correct me nah, all the nigga. time at extra. <laughs> like saw Squid Game, but by the way, it does kind of make sense because it's multiple people that it would be games. Nah, it is multiple game. games. No, there. No, it's multiple games. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's a Barnes and Noble. No S, no S at the end. No S, no S. So Barnes and Noble. I don't know if they still have books a million. Uh, you go to your local black uh, yes. bookstore. I don't say that, that, that enough. Yes. Yeah, uh, here in LA, there's a place called Nigga Books. No, what's it's it called? It's over off Central. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't like. I don't. I order all my books from. I literally don't go into bookstores anymore. I order all my books off the internet. Amazon. So, oh, but you know who has a bookstore? Who? If you're in Philly, Mark Lamont Hill has a bookstore. It's called Mark Lamont Hill Bookstore. I think it's called Mister Peeper's Books or something like that. Something crazy. Mark well, yeah. Lamont Hill Bookstore. It's so- called. Uh, Order it from Mark Lamont. It's called Uncle Bobby's. <laughs> Support independent bookstores. For independent sure. bookstores. You can get this book anywhere. Yes, at Books a Million too. Right. Amazon, Target, Walmart. But Amazon, support your Target, independent Walmart. Go bookstores. to an independent one. Yeah. Uncle Bobby's <laughs> Books, Coffee and Books, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you guys are in the tri-state area or whatever states, go to Uncle Bobby's Bookstore. Okay. He's got a collection here. He's, you can shop audiobooks. You can get mugs and gift cards and all kinds of apparel. You should go to Uncle Bobby's. You should go there. Oh, and do like a book signing? Yeah. Yeah, they got upcoming events. Everything I'm doing and, uh, is virtual. So that's, you know, but when things open up, I would love to go to Uncle Bobby's. Yeah, yeah. They had Portia Williams there December 1st. She did. The Pursuit of Portia. How I Grew Into My Purpose and Power. Yeah, so... I'm sure that book was riveting. Uh, look, today is National Opposite Day. I'm not for this. I'm not for it either. I think it's stupid. How about it's National Give Niggas the Right to Vote Day? How that, about that? That is a very much a part of Opposite Day. We're doing every. <laughs> we're doing every day. We're we've oh, they've created every day except for let. Black people vote and make the police stop beating up black people day. They, they got days for Would hot you be dogs. happy with that? They got donut days. Would you be happy if we had a day? A day where you couldn't beat on us, unlawfully arrest us, stop us, 
But see, to me, that day is the day they passed the George Floyd Violence and Policing Act. Oh, so you would get to do because that's happening that's that day. That's the day. Yeah. So By then the we way, need a combo that, day. We need a combo. We need, yeah. we need a combo day. Speaking of that, we have Bakari Sellers from the Bakari Sellers podcast and CNN joining us in a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, the Democrats, Joe Biden, and what he's been able to do and not do since he's been in office. You know what I mean? We're going to talk to Bakari Sellers about that. Uh, Trudy, jump in real quick. Hey. It's Trudy's corner time. How you doing, Trudy? <laughs> I'm good. So, Trudy, you saw this. There was a post that was on the Reddit. Then they took the post off of the Reddit. <laughs> There was a lady on here and she was talking about her long and arduous battle with trying to date black men. What and is she? she basically, I think she's pretty black. I think I'm she's black. She's I black. mean, I don't know. You couldn't really tell off Reddit, but just based on the post, she sounded like she was a black woman. Trudy, okay. you read this post. Yes. And what she said in the post, basically, I paraphrase it. It was a long post and she deleted it. I'm not sure why she deleted it. It's very upsetting. But what she said in this post was that She's tried with black men. She tried to date black men. She dated black men. She dated something like six black men throughout her 20s. And she said, without fail, every single black man she dated cheated on her. Mm. And then she went through, listen to Rachel, and then she went through a long sort of uh, explanation about how sometimes it can be hard to find a black man she doesn't know how she uh she can she can um she can get over the hump with this and all of the stuff she's talking about it she's talking about the fact that she wants a black man she feels like she needs a black man but she's been mistreated by black men Trudy have you ever oh can I be ooh, honest gonna jump for in. a second sure I wrote the post and I <laughs> Oh, I was about to say, whoa! It was too good to not to not say that. Rachel, I'm so proud of you that you learned how to Rachel has learned the art of the red herring. She's like, look, I'm so proud that Rachel She all grown up. She knows how to spit a yarn. I did not, but Trudy, please respond. I didn't see this post. So Trudy, you read the post. She's basically saying she wants a brother, but she feels like she can't get done right by the brothers. What do you think, Trudy? A fool for one. I just I I feel like I need more context because I think that's very limiting to just say that, like, or I feel like it's dangerous to make the generalization that all black men cheat or all black men are the reason why I'm going through this particular thing. She could be dating a particular um, kind of person, which I've done, like who hasn't dated somebody and been cheated on, like ding, 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 it is me. Um, but I think that as I got older and started like dating more intentionally, not necessarily like the football player at school that's like starting and like, that's a person that I used to date and I stopped dating that kind of person. Then I started dating guys that I felt like were smarter than me or could teach me something, or I don't know, just had something to add because actually Van. So as I saw Lex this past weekend, we were talking about the exchange that happens when you date somebody and feeling like, especially I think I think if I'm getting her post correct, like she feels like she also in some ways was contributing a lot more to or bringing more to the table for them than what they were her. And that definitely has also been my experience. But as I've grown up and started dating like 
just different kinds of men, I definitely think it's important to date somebody that's bringing something to you because when you break up and you guys don't end up together in the long run it's like they took something for you from you so it's important that you have something back so i don't know I, so wait, wait. if you break up and you guys don't end up in the long run what they take from you like honestly i'm gonna keep it funky every guy that i've dated i've leveled up like in a big way whether same same trudy every single guy and i can't sit here and say that the same happened for me in return and i think that a lot of black women in particular can identify with that and i feel like more than the fact that they were cheating on her i think that that's like a subconscious thing that she's also kind of working through and then so and he took her time what did he take from her you can't take the you can't take time. She can't. He wasted her time. He wasted. You can't her time. take time. Yes, you can. Time flows for the time. You can't time. You she could have been spending time. it on somebody else. Herself. Right. right. He took her right, time. Well, he wasted her time. He did. Fine. He, however you want to no, say it. No, he didn't waste her time. They Trudy. had the times that they no, had. Trudy. Look, wasted her time here's the deal. Man. I'm not going to say all black men cheat and waste your time. But well, yeah, that's no, what I'm saying. No, so, no. so, 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 basically. Uh, it just makes no sense to say that somebody, somebody wasted your time, right? So, but it, it makes no sense to say somebody you had a relationship. The relationship lasted as long as it did, right? You know what I mean? It's not a time wasted. Whatever the lessons you learn from the relationship, it's fine. Difference of opinion. I want to ask Trudy about something. Boy, when you say that every guy that you've dated, you've leveled oh, up. What does that mean? Beyonce upgraded you. That that was me. What how? How is that? How have you upgraded them? Tell me. Okay, so my first boyfriend in life, I don't want, like, yeah, would have never, I was applying for college. I was actually in college at the time because we dated from like high school on and off and then like on and off when I was in college, I used to be studying and he wouldn't understand that, you know, I'm busy. I can't just like be on the phone with you. And a lot of that became conversations just about like going to school and like bettering yourself, not saying that college is the only way that you could better yourself. But like at the time he was just, I think he did loss prevention at like Walmart or something. Then he ended up going to school while we were together. I was helping him write his essays, helping him just with the college process and boom, he gets into school and then he starts acting up too. And we just had to cut ties. Like, which, I mean, I need to cut ties with him anyways, so that was whatever. Other boy, my college situation, Shah, he was the devil. Like, the devil reincarnated. Like, I am me now because he was so shitty. That boy in particular, um, I, what, how did I not help him? So he was, if people were <laughs> talking about, but like, whatever. He was from Chicago. He had the classic story of like, I'm a hood nigga that was just super, super smart from the west side of Chicago. So y'all know it's serious. Whatever. <laughs> Went to like a super smart school, um, all scholarship, whatever. So, you know, for me, when I met him, I was like, oh, like, this is different. This is a guy that's leveled up. This is, you know, a and he still got that little hood burger, little X factor that I was looking for at the time. And I started dating him and I just realized that he was like the worst person in the whole entire world. He didn't know how to treat women. He didn't, he barely knew how to treat his mom sorry mm. I in there. very Which telling for me a very like alarming thing that now I take into like my life but whatever I just didn't know how to also like my mom is like a real estate agent and she had bought like another house at the time so I remember I was like keeping his stuff for the summer break so we drove to my new house and girl listen I, that's what I'm talking about leveled up I was free storage comes to my house 
um, so we could drop this stuff off. And it was like a really big, beautiful house. And he had never really been in an environment like that. He had never been in a family that was like mine. Um, and he, and this is like, not me putting, this is not me saying this, this is like things that he's actually told me. Um, and he said, dating me, he saw like the other side or how he's never seen black people live, how my family lived. And that was like a really important thing for him. And like, ever since then, he's just been on like higher education and, you know, I'm going to go and work for the CDC and do all these extra things. And now I think he, he's in like a PhD program, <laughs> but he was like, if it wasn't for you exposing me to this, you know, this life, like I would have never known, you know what I got in return? a broken heart, a nigga that cheated on me, a nigga that was lying up and down the street in Chicago. Um, just like an unaffectionate, emotionally unavailable human being that really turned me to a savage. And then I moved. I was about to say, I'm so hey, glad we got on this topic because, because this is my villain the order nigga, story. This is the nigga who made you this one. Oh, I'm so glad. Truly, truly. Trudy, there's all there's always one. There's truly. always one. Uh, truly, truly, but look, I'm glad that everyone's hearing this right. And there are a lot of guys out here right now. There are a lot of people out here that are listening to this podcast that are feeling vindication because the question that they asked the minute he, we started doing Trudy's corner is who hurt you. That's <laughs> a new game show. They're like that's that that should be the new game show today. Van Lathan, the host of Who Hurt You? And then we should put like a bunch of different categories. So it's like, hey, this this person made me sit down while giving me while giving giving me lectures because they didn't want to look up to me because I was taller than them. Ding ding, it's my dad. Made me feel small. Who hurt you? Trudy, this there's is your- always one. There's always there's one. Always one. Mine had a baby on me oh, during hell. during the three weeks we were on a break and didn't tell me about it. Legal, I found out legal. after the baby was legal. two months old. That's legal. That's it's legal. in the book. It's in the book. That's, that's legal. That's a hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on for a second. Ghosting. We have to mm. we have to review that. We have to review this play. Which, Let's uh, review this play. Review like we we're, we're, we're calling in a ref's review. All right, we're going under the booth. Y'all are on a break. That's legal. <laughs> Which is the lie I told myself, which is why I stayed with him. But that's not a lie. You no, told yourself the but truth. It doesn't it's illegal. But, but here's the problem. And this is what I would tell anybody who's listening to this. And this is why it's problematic. When they made the baby, we were on a break. However, he knew she was pregnant, continued a relationship with me and never told me he had a baby on the way. I What's saw him the day after the baby was born. It is. I'm your girl. It is my business. Uh-uh. You got a whole child son, out here. Nothing a had whole nothing child. to do with you. No, it's not it your does. situation. When your mom is acting different to me at your at your football game, <gasps> wondering why this girl is here because you had a baby <laughs> last night. Last night. Right. Last night. Yes. I'm not over it. Right. Last night. right. So so let me ask you this, Rachel. When you guys were on your break, did you hook up with anybody else? I did not. That's Theory. your fault. Oh, that's- that's your fault. That's your fault. That's your fault. What's the point of being on a break? What's the point of being on a break? So work Which on your, yourself so you can be come back better, build back better for that. Build back rela- better. You had this motherfucker on the build back better plan, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and similar to the real life one, it fell. It fell. It fell. <laughs> so so look, so look. 
Trudy. Yes. Now that we know, <laughs> now that we know that all of your very astute <laughs> I can't observations, that all of your actual very, you talk some real shit and it's really good shit. But now that we know that it's all coming from a place of hurt, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, that ain't no yeah. Now it's, listen, let me just it's hurt. say. It's hurt. It hurt you, Trudy. It hurt you. Trudy. I Trudy. will say. Let me just say because I. I now, Trudy, you went from you went from late. Hold on, you went from you went from building a nigga from nothing to now a motherfucker can't wear a hat around you. Like, come on, man. You like you, you like you jumped. You you went you went true. from you, you went from taking a man up from nothing. And building him into a person to now a nigga can't wear a motherfucking hat. All that wisdom. wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all know what my real name is. I'm an old soul. It's wisdom. That's all that is. It's wisdom. That's so funny. Let me just say, it's what? That was what? 2015, 2014, maybe? What are we now? In 2022? That nigga definitely... uh, liked my picture i don't even follow him dm my friend told her that he was proud of me for what so i just want to go on record and say one thing about them tables they always turn yes they do trudy yes they do all right you're trudy i'm gonna be honest with you fuck that nigga fuck (laughs) fuck him I want to take I want to take you to the dime tonight <laughs> and just point at niggas for you to go talk to. Fuck them. Oh, no, no, no. Like, the like, niggas you, come you... talk to me. That's oh, oh, we taking a break. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Uh, we are back. The NFL. Oh, by the way, did you watch football this week? This this weekend? I I did. I caught them here and there. I was on the move, so I didn't get it. I didn't get to watch the full games. <laughs> you missed the you missed the best weekend of football of all times. I know. No, I watched some of it. I watched some of it. Like literally, the Chiefs Bills game is the best football game I've ever seen. I saw, I saw, I saw the second half of it. So I, I saw what I needed to see. I saw the records that were set, the points being scored, the amount of you know, minutes, I also, seconds. I like look, look. Do you know why Patrick Mahomes plays so good? Because why? the playoffs are winner go home. He's not trying to go home to his fiance and to his little brother. Man, he's 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 trying to keep it going. <laughs> Like they are so fucking annoying, man. I'm sorry. I, I, a shout out to my homegirl Kayla, who's Travis Kelsey's girl. Like she I don't, be in the videos too sometimes. Like I don't. I don't why you said it like That's that? That's the truth. <laughs> why? Why you said it like that? That's like literally. So that, I've been noticing she was an intern at TMZ. Like why you say it like that? Like, she am I am I wrong? She is she in the videos. Those are her friends. You calling them super annoying? Those are her friends. She's in the videos too. She's they're not they're part of the same chiefs friends and family's family thing whatever, um, 
But Jackson Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes' girl are just the most annoying people in the world, man. It's you don't want to go home. So he's got to be embarrassed. It's like he's trying to. He's out here playing for his team, playing for his like his career, and they're over here making TikTok videos, spraying champagne all over people. It's just so much. I it's just it makes you wonder: Is he like that? Is Patrick like Maybe. that? Maybe because they've been together. Maybe. He's been with this girl since high school. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. All right, uh, the NFL has halted testing for unvaccinated players. In the memo, it says, the NFL and the Players Association have agreed to halt daily COVID-19 testing for unvaccinated players, aligning them with protocols developed last month for vaccinated players and coaches. So it seems as if COVID doesn't exist right now (laughs) uh, in the NFL. We are on the backside, it looks like, of the Omicron surge. With of course more surges to come, like they they you know drop like downloadable content from your f- favorite fucking video game. The more they're they're coming out, uh, is the NFL right to do this? Is this uh, is it because you're seeing a lot of this happen all over the place? You're seeing the the restrictions are lax. The NFL is a billion dollar business. Uh, people are just going to say, "Hey, Omicron's mild. They're moving forward." What do you think about this? Well, I think you have to ask the question of what is it that the NFL is standing for. What are they about? Who are they trying to protect? I think that this decision falls in line with a lot of decisions that they've made that everything is based on money and it's not really about the protection for the health and safety of the athletes. I mean, the fact it's very, it's not a coincidence that in the timing that this decision was made to not test unvaccinated players at a time when, and and I've suffered from it, Omicron is out here alive and well, and you had 756 NFL players test in a matter of weeks in December positive with this virus. And then all of a sudden you want to, right as Aaron Rodgers' 90-day period ends because he tested positive, so 90 days he doesn't have to test, right as it's about to expire, you decide that you're going to change the rules and unvaccinated players no longer have to get tested. Because if you do test them and they potentially test positive, this could ruin your champion, not championship, but your playoff games. I mean, clearly, I think that they have drawn a line in the sand of what's important to them and what's not. It's very much so contradicts the way that they started this whole thing. And with the timing of the way that the virus is running rampant right now in our country, you really don't care about this virus spreading. You care about the dollars. All right. Now, let me... can I call you out a little bit? Is that okay? Like Please. a friendly, loving call out? Please. Okay. How did you get Omicron? Unclear. And that's that's factual. Now, it is suspected. <laughs> unclear. There are two ways that I could have gotten it. We will never right. know for sure. One is that somebody at work who I am in very close contact with got it right Billy before. Billy fucking I- Bush. No, he looks Billy, sick. <laughs> no, not Billy. Not Billy. Um, somebody at work that I worked very close with tested positive. And was right around me before I left. Now, I tested, took a test before I left, but it would take time for my symptoms to settle in. I very well could have contracted it from that person. I also could have contracted it at the national championship weekend. Okay. Okay. I was out there. I was, I didn't wear a mask all the time. It's very likely Uh I could have contracted it there. Okay. So let's, so this this is why I'm bringing this up. This is the thing that I've been wondering. Uh Um, 
So I think that I had Omicron. We, we talked about it. I have tests in here. I'm a hypochondriac about it. I think that I had it. Wait, you think, think you had I, Omicron just, or just COVID? I think that I had Omicron because when I went- okay, this is when, new. <laughs> okay. No, it's not, it's not new. Remember, I told you this. I told you, we talked about it here on the podcast. I talked about the fact that somebody who I boxed with said that they got, that they had COVID and then I was feeling sick for like the next five or six days, but I didn't test positive for it because I took the test in the first couple of days. I think that I had it, but it takes a while for it to show up on the test, whatever. Either one of us, let's look at it like this. And this is kind of the thing that I'm wondering about with people who run businesses like the NFL. Let's say, let's take both scenarios. Let's say that you didn't get Omicron at the national championship game. I did? Let's say you didn't. Okay, I did not. Let's say you didn't, and then you went, right? That means you spread Omicron at the national championship game. Potentially, right? yeah. Right, so if you spread it or if you got it, Going to the game is the common denominator in the spread or the or the infection right there. Me going to the gym. You're correct. So I will say I nobody think, I was around I know caught COVID, but go ahead. That's what I'm talking about. But you're right. You're you're absolutely right. So so what I'm thinking is so what, I, what I'm saying is I think it's going to be in the future, in the near future, harder for businesses like the NFL to and I'm not saying the decision they made is right, obviously is wrong, but the reality is that if people are going to the games untested and not sure whether or not they have COVID, the guys playing in the games, the stadiums are full. So I think that everybody is just going to be a little bit more last. I guess what I'm saying is it's wrong, but I think that I'm running out of outrage for it. Not saying that you had any outrage, just saying I'm running out of give a fuck, I think. Well, when 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 the CDC shortens the time to five days, which I definitely was still symptomatic after five days, when you have airlines doing certain things, when you have uh, organizations like the NFL doing certain things, it is hard to care. It is hard to have a strong stance. I think I could have received it better with the NFL if they just said, hey, for the 2022-2023 season, these are the new rules. But you changed it right before the playoffs. So it's like, you don't really care. You just care about making that money and making sure that all the people that are on the field that the audience wants to see. I think that it's more of the timing of it that is a little bit strange. But I, but I get what you're saying. I mean, listen, we're all gonna like most people are going to catch this virus one way or another, but can you help stop the spread of it? Whether that's in the audience with who you're allowing to come to the game, or whether that's the players on the field who are in such close contact with one another and sweating and breathing on one another, where it's more susceptible to I mean, we've seen how quickly it can pass. Look at what happened in the month of December. Yeah, very true, very true. Okay, we're going to take a break. And in this break, we're about to bring you guys an interview with Bakari Sellers. Now, a lot of you guys have questions for the Biden administration. You might be wondering if you're black or if you're an ally. Is the Biden administration really, really posting L's like the Los Angeles Lakers? Are they really L'd up or are we not looking at this with enough nuance? Bakari is going to be back on the other side of this break to answer some of those questions. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. 
just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores, see app for full terms, all rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Okay, uh, we have just simply one of the smartest people in the world. One of the smartest people in the world right now uh, joining us on the podcast. This is a guy that when I am frantic politically, when I am scared, when I don't know what's going to happen, when I don't know who's going to win, who's going to lose, when I am in the weeds, I, I call this gentleman and I watch this gentleman to have him make some sense of what's going on out here in these political streets. He is also a contributor to CNN. He is also the host of the Bakari Sellers podcast here on the Ringer Podcast Network. He is everything, a former representative, a house representative himself, like all of this stuff, an attorney. He's everything. Bakari Sellers joins us today on Higher Learning. How are you doing, my brother? Man, I'm glad to be here. I've been waiting on my invite. I'm just glad to be in one in the number, you know? We are happy to have you. Can I do a wellness check for Bakari? Because, wow, if Van is hitting you up that much and is always calling you when he's in a frantic state, are you okay? Let's do a <laughs> wellness check and just make sure. Because, oh, my God. Well, Van <laughs> I can't with, even imagine. Van with friends like Rachel, who needs Republicans, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Coming right. in hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> okay. All right. right. Okay. So we're going to... So, Mark, I'm going to tell you why I specifically wanted to have you on the podcast. Sure. Um, with the way things are going in Washington, it's very easy for me to get on this podcast and kick the Biden administration's back in every single podcast. All right. What I wanted was to help our listeners out there who are torn between the fact that they are progressives, that they are liberals and want to see their agenda pushed, but they are also dissatisfied with the rate that it's going and on, on a national scale right now to give them a realistic understanding of who's to blame for what, what could be being done better and how you are responsible as a person interested in politics right now. But at the same time, holding the people that you voted for accountable. So I'll just ask you a straight up question. How much of this is President Biden's fault? The failure of the John Lewis vote is right that the, the yeah. fact that we're not going to get the, the Build Back Better plan, the fact that the George Floyd Violence and Policing Act fell through. How much is this President Biden's fault? You know, that's a that's a good question. It's a big question and it's a nuanced question. 
And I think you can only answer it in a format such as this. I mean, it's even difficult to answer in a in an op-ed. You have to be able to flesh your, your thoughts out a little bit. So I think it's easier to start with giving this administration credit for what they deserve credit for. Um, they took over um, when you had a pandemic, unlike anything we've seen in literally 100 years raging out of control. Um, you know, it, it, they did a great job of being shots in arms. They just, you know, sent... Um, hundreds of millions of tests out. They have done it early, probably. Uh, however, that still is a positive step. Um, they actually put money in people's pockets when they were hurting the most. Um, and we can't forget that Recovery Act that was passed. Um, then something that's not quite as sexy, but will benefit all of us, um, will benefit all your cousins, et cetera, including um, your respective states and, and municipalities and counties has been this transportation bill that was passed in a bipartisan fashion. The difficult part of that, though, is that you probably won't see the you won't reap the benefit of what was passed for five, six, seven years. Right. So it's hard to really feel that. So those are all pros. Some of the things that have been and I and trust me, I, you know, constructive criticism is good. Outright criticism is good. I think you have every right to do that, mainly because black people are the reason that they're actually in office. I think there's a great deal of frustration with the lack of urgency that this administration approached criminal justice and voting rights. And I think that's fair. I think that's a fair criticism. Um, you know, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act didn't fail because of Democrats or the White House. It failed plainly because people like me put their faith in Tim Scott. And we were wrong. Tim Scott said he was going to go out there and be able to get 10 Republicans to come with them. He was going to negotiate in good faith. And Tim, who's a friend of mine, fundamentally didn't negotiate in good faith for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. I've been in private rooms with uh, Tim in, in the negotiations of that bill with families of individuals who were killed by police. And <clears throat> the, the, the effort didn't match the rhetoric that was put forth. And so I can't put that squarely on the shoulders of the Biden administration, although I wish they would have acted with more urgency in the Department of Justice. Um, I, I believe something's coming, but the Department of Justice or the president puts forth some executive orders to, to kind of make that to make that real. I mean, voting rights is something that they put behind Build Back Better. And for me, it's like, why do black folk always have to wait? Why is voting rights something that comes behind something else? Why isn't this something that you push from the beginning? Um, but is this his, his fault? Totally. The answer is no, because you have white moderates who King told us to be careful for and watch out for who rather preserve order over justice. And when I say order, that means the filibuster. And so you look at the totality of this, of everything that's going on. It's a very nuanced answer. I mean, they've done remarkably well for what they had to emerge from, but have they done good enough by us? And the answer is, meh, they have work to do. I, I think the biggest disconnect is the fact that I'm not sure this administration fully grasped the pain that black folk feel in the streets of this country. Um, I think that, you know, like I, I made a joke the other day, but it's true. You know, my father was concerned about at the Piggly Wiggly was talking about the, the, the uh, increase in price of whiting and flounder. I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, you know, you, you talk about people who go and, and shop and they're realizing that their bill is $60 more than it used to be. Um, you know, the crime goes up because people and um, our, our mutual friend Wax, um, Charlemagne's homie, you know, Wax told me something that was profound. Wax told me, he said, um, you don't, people will rob you now and you don't even have to be rich. You just have to have more than they have. That's because there's so much pain in the streets. And the last thing I'll tell you is, 
you know, messaging around COVID has to get better. It's been inconsistent. And um, we're going to, in 10 years, we're going to see the detriment to this generation of not being in the classroom. We, we won't see it immediately, but the fact that kids aren't able to be in the classroom is going to be something we'll see in 10 years. And so that's a very long, nuanced answer to, to probably not answer your, direct, your question directly because there is no direct answer. Mm. You know, I was going to wait on this, but since you brought up Senator Tim Scott, let, let me go ahead and ask a question about him. He's from South Carolina, Senator South Carolina. You're from South Carolina. I'm interested as you, you obviously know each other. I'm interested in your take on him, especially in regards to him voting against the voting, uh, the, the voting rights act, John Lewis voting rights act. I, you know, when he wants to put on the, the, black hat, I guess, and say and talk about how he was raised and where he's from and who his grandfather is. But then he votes against something that could be better for the black community. What is your take on that? How do you reason that? Have you had conversations with him in regards to that? So first, I've known Tim for a very, very, very long time. Um, I was already in the house, I want to say four years when Tim got elected to the state house. And prior to that, he was on the county council. I remember when Tim announced he was running for lieutenant governor of South Carolina. He was the front runner for lieutenant governor. And then I can't recall what happened. Maybe maybe somebody died or um, somebody resigned. I don't know what happened, but there ended up becoming a, a vacancy for the first congressional district. He abandoned his race for lieutenant governor and ran for Congress and he beat Paul Thurman. He beat Strom Thurman's um, son. Um, Tim is a very interesting cat. Tim is somebody who is deeply religious. Um, Tim is somebody who um, is very, very, very Charleston. Um, you know, he was raised in Charleston. Um, he'll, he, he was raised um, in a community and he had an upbringing that's very familiar to us all. Um, he was raised by his mom. Um, you know, he'll tell you about the help that he got from an individual who owned a Chick-fil-A and helped help bring him up. But he knows he, he knows that struggle. So I would never say that Tim did not um, grow up and understand what that struggle is of our shared experience. However, there is a disconnect between what Tim believes to be best for our people and what truly is. Um, Tim fundamentally believes and the limited government, conservative, Ronald Reagan ideology. Um, whether or not someone wants to say he believes in that because it's, it was the quickest way for him to, to reach the level of success, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into that. I think he truly believes the words that he says. Um, but we have fundamental disagreements about, um, about how he got here. I think he's, I mean, I, I think he's flat out wrong in doing things like voting against the voting rights bill. I think he's flat out wrong in not understanding the necessity for something like Build Back Better or investing in infrastructure or extending the child tax credit. I don't, I don't, I can't wrap my head around somebody who is black and supports Donald Trump. Um, but I, I believe, you know, I believe that's his conviction. I don't think that he is um, someone who is as adiaphorous or, or has no backbone as, as, as some of the others. On that, from you, someone who's had to work to make deals, um, as a real-world politician, you're something more than a pundit, right? You've, you've done this work before. What's the difference between somebody who's wrong and someone who's your enemy? 
I mean, that's a good question. I think though, and it's funny because I was just having this conversation um, with with one of our other mutual friends today. I, I dare not mention his name. I think those individuals who are your, I think those individuals who are your enemy are are set out to um, have it in, are set out to do your community, you and your community wrong, right? Um, I think there is also a pot of folk who. Um, may not be set out to do you and your community wrong, but they sit idly by while individuals do you and your community wrong. Um, You know, for me, if we had to cut a deal with someone like Tim Scott uh, on an issue that we care about, like criminal justice reform, if there was any space for us to cut a deal, you think it would be that Um, because he had those interactions with law enforcement, because he's a black man in America. Um, because he's still a United States senator and there are people who still don't believe that. But, you know, when, you, when you're talking about Tim critically and you can't even make that deal with him on this, um, you know, I think that relationship may be lost. Um, I don't, you know, if I'm out here trying to identify people who I'm going to bring on board for uh, any type of compromise, it wouldn't be Tim Scott. I mean, I would go to some, even on Black Issue, I'd go to Murkowski or Collins. Um, I go to Mitt Romney. I mean, there's a long list of people I go to before Tim's down. Mm. Do you think, I mean, we just saw that the John Lewis Voting Rights Act did not pass in the Senate. Do you think that we will ever see this act passed? And if, or, and if so, what will it take? I think you're going to see a whole lot of bad before you see any good. Whose boyfriend is that? I hear my boyfriend in the back. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. That's all good. It's my fault. This guy. This guy. If this guy, if you don't get your ass back into politics with your slippery, like good natured oh, hey. demeanor and go ahead and march towards that White House, we need to. Um, like, I just think, I just think that I think Republicans are going after the whole hog. And some of y'all, you know, when you down south, you know, there's a saying, you know, you the whole hog. I mean, that's what they they're about to get rid of uh, affirmative action. Um, that's going to be kaput shortly. Um, they already gutted the Voting Rights Act. John Roberts did that years ago. And you're not, you know, getting closer to that is going to be um, fleeting. Um, you're I mean, you just have so many. Um, it's like it's like they're coming after you. Um in every way possible. And you just have to, you have to be understanding that for the next 10, 20 years, this is going to be a difficult existence for us all. Um, I don't think that the Voting Rights Act will, will pass. I think they'll pass some type of electoral protection act. Um, And that just for your listeners only deals with the way that we count electors so that what happened on January 6th can't happen again. It was the the act was passed when in eighteen ninety something. I don't know. You have to get one of those constitutional scholars on to talk about it, and it's really poorly written. So the way that the slate of electors are actually voted on is sloppy, and it, it was sloppily written. So they'll reform that, but that has nothing to do with your access to the ballot box. And I don't think we'll ever change that. So I'm going to get to another very direct question for the listeners after I ask you this one very human question. Bakar, if I was reading your body language right now, you seem like you're in pain discussing this. You seem stressed and like 
I would be very hopeful <laughs> if I it, 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 just it's listen to you talk it, about this. I mean, he not, said 10 to 20 years. Yeah. It's not a hopeful. I mean, it's it's not a hopeful outlook. It's not a rosy outlook. It's a very real outlook. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I go back and I, my, my critique of, of Biden, but also understanding that one of the larger impediments is mansion and cinema. And you, you think about King and King talked about the fact that the white moderate was a greater imp impediment um, to Negroes freedom um, than the white um, citizens counselor or the, or the Ku Klux Klaner because they want to preserve order over justice. And you, you, you see that cinema and mansion fall squarely in that. And then you go a little further left where you have, um, you know, DeSantis in Florida, you have the Tom Cottons of the world and you have a Supreme Court that's 6-3 um, right now. And so whether or not it's getting overturning Roe v. Wade or getting rid of affirmative action or gutting the Voting Rights Act, I mean, you, you, the pain I think that you see or the angst is because I fundamentally, like both of you all, understand the price that was paid to get this far. And, you know, I, I think that we saw the change begin to happen around um, 2008 and with the election of Barack Obama, because you, you saw this country begin to overcorrect because there was a, a black man in the White House and you saw the convergence and the emergence of a Tea Party. And you saw, um, you know, the, 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 the head of racism kind of just, you know, rear its ugly head or racism rear its ugly head. And here we are. And, you know, you, you talk about the, the, the racial violence is one thing. The, the Charleston massacre, Charlottesville, January 6th, that's one thing. But then you talk about just the, 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 the kind of tangential pressure put on people of color in this country through the laws and policies we pass. I think that's the body language you see. And I'm not sure. I don't see, I don't see how we get out of it at this moment. I guess my question is this. We've heard about a lot of things. We've heard about, uh, obviously, the filibuster. And I do want you to just break down for people how filibuster reform or like how what what the mechanism is that so people understand what would it mean to get rid of the filibuster, why there's hesitancy to get rid of the filibuster. I do want to just ask you directly about the filibuster. But before I ask you that, maybe this is the same answer. Do the Democrats have a nuclear option? Always. You have the option, but you have to have enough people to pull the trigger. Um, the filibuster has been around for a very, very long period of time, with, which prevents, you know, just the minority voices from being overrun. And it requires a 60 vote um, threshold to pass many pieces of legislation. The nuclear option began to be, it was actually first, the trigger first pulled in, in recent history, in modern history, when you come to talk about it by um, the well, the the nuclear option, but but the late Senator Harry Reid was was the one who who made it um who who made it more 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 sexy and popular. It was done to pass a bunch of um, Obama judges who were being otherwise, you know, they weren't doing anything for Barack Obama, and so that's why the nuclear option was pulled. Um, you know, the filibuster is a is a relic of the past, and when you go through and a racist past, when you go through and look at the filibuster and look at what it was utilized to to stop from happening you a bunch of civil rights voting legislation um, that it was used to prevent. Um, 
Now, I'm not asking to abolish the filibuster at all, actually. Um, I'm actually asking them just to limit the scope of it and, and do a carve out so we can pass voting rights. Um, and people are like a carve out. When, 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 do you, when have we done a carve out in American history? We just did it a couple of weeks ago to raise the debt limit. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell has carved out things for the uh, to get rid of the filibuster to pass not one, not two, but three Supreme Court justices. Right. So there 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 have been carve outs before and there have been carve outs that Manchin and Cinema have voted for. Um, when people ask the question and this is, you know, Manchin and Cinema, uh, their argument would be if we we get rid of the filibuster whenever Republicans are in are in uh, the power. Abuse it themselves. They can do things like make abortion illegal in all fifty states, etc. I don't necessarily buy that, but that's the argument. So, why couldn't we carve this out for the Voting Rights Act? Why couldn't there be a carve out? Well, there's they couldn't be a carve out because you only have forty eight votes for it. Uh, maintenance and maintenance cinema would not vote for it, and so you have forty eight votes for it. And you know, it, it was we we've gone down that path before, and the reasoning that they won't is somewhat lost on me. I, I'm not, no one has been able to give me a clear answer as to why, and, and they aren't able to give you a clear answer as to why. Um, both of them tell you, and I believe them, that they would vote for the John Lewis, the John Lewis voting rights bill. Um, they <laughs> the vote fuck, who fucking cares? Exactly. Like, what, like, what, who fucking gives a shit? You just pissed me off, nigga. Like, who, like, <laughs> like, like who, who fucking cares if you would vote for it after you, the fact if you're you not willing to? Because yeah, like, <laughs> they think it makes them sound that's better. A, that's the politics of it. And that's why people hate politics because, you know, people are able to say, oh, I support John Lewis as a hero of mine. I support the John Lewis voting rights bill. And then you're like, okay, well, Let's vote for it. And they're like, well, no, I want to preserve the filibuster more than this. And you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't, that John Lewis doesn't stand for any of that or the, the King quotes that, that people come out with. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. I mean, it's, it's obscene. It's intellectually dishonest at best. So cinema has been censured by the democratic party in, in her state. Yeah. Do you think that that, well, obviously that really doesn't do much, but do you think that that will put any kind of pressure on her or maybe make other moderates like that take notice. Okay, you're shaking your head, but I, would, I definitely want you to explain, no, take most notice of the most, most of the moderates in the Democratic Party came around. I mean, Mark Kelly, her, her colleague in Arizona, uh, John Tester, who's one, who is the center of, of the party, um, came around. Um, Mark Warner, Virginia, came around. Um, Chris Coons, Delaware, came around. So there were about four, five, six of them that considered that are considered to be moderates who, who came around just Manchin and Cinema, and I think that, you know, there 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 is word out there, and I don't I don't know why she would think this, but there is word that Kirsten Cinema wants to run for president of the United States, but the thing oh. about that is it's hard to run for president of the United States when you have no constituency. Like who who's gonna who's gonna support you. I mean, literally nobody out there looking to vote for somebody like Kirsten Sinema. Uh Okay, so this is my last question for you. What do we do? <laughs> that was going to be my last question. Too. I mean, I mean, I mean very... Uh, <laughs> look, so... And, and that sounds like a, like a very... Uh, a very simple question, um, but let's turn... Fucking a year ago, two years ago at this time, it was get out and vote. That's what you do. What you can do is get out and vote. Primaries are going on, whatever was happening. We get out and vote. 
Uh, it got down to Biden. Stacy got us going. Uh, like we got out there. We did it. We did it. We did it three times. We did it for Biden. We did it for Warnock. We did it for Ossoff. We did it more than that. We, we did it. We got out and voted. Now it is 2022. There are midterm elections happening this fall. There's a presidential election happening in the next couple of years. For the average American citizen who is looking to be able to be a part of a political movement that might stem the tide a little bit, what do we do? Well, first of all, I, I think that, and, and this would be my, my best advice, and I've given it before, there, there, there are about three things. The first is we have to realize that the change we want to see in our communities doesn't come from 1600 Pennsylvania and doesn't come from the Capitol. It comes locally from your school boards, your city halls, your county councils, um, your, your, your city councils, et cetera. And I think that all of you all need to make sure that you're watching what's happening around you on the local level. Your DAs, your solicitors, your prosecutors, your judges. I mean, this is really where change happens. This is where rubber meets the road. So that, that's first. And I, you should always, you should always be active in that. Number two, there are good ones that you should support. Like one of the, like I named two people right now who have just blown my mind in terms of their effectiveness. That's Amy Klobuchar and Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock is a G. I need to get him on the show. And let me know okay. if I can help you do that. Okay. Oh, for sure. Of course. Yeah. Raphael Warnock is, is, has proven himself to be capable. He's dope. Uh, if you go back and listen to his floor speech and voting rights, you know, he, he is one of us. He went to Morehouse. He's a good dude. You know, he speaks the language. He can get you going. And then he goes and he speaks that same truth. But you don't have to worry about him kind of tiptoeing around up there. He actually speaks it. So you got to support those individuals who are doing the work. And number three, you know, just because you, the work doesn't stop when you vote for somebody, right? Just because you cast a ballot. I mean, you still got to hold these folks accountable. And so people always ask me, they say, well, you, you, you're critical of the Biden administration. I'm like, I know because they got my vote. They got the most powerful thing I can do in this country. So why would I not get, be critical or constructively critical of somebody who I gave the most powerful thing I own to them? And so I, I, I keep saying like on voting rights, you need to do something at an, at an executive level, do, a, do an executive order. Let's test the boundaries of what you can do. Let's make sure your Department of Justice is out there in these states that are passing regressive laws that are making people do 10 jumping jacks and all this other craziness, whatever. I, that was an exaggeration before people <laughs> get all in my DM. But, you know, make sure your Department of Justice is fighting those battles. What are you doing in an executive order on, on policing since we can't? Um, since we can't pass a George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, do something. Because what happens, Van, and this is what pisses me off, is that um, uh, like around August, they're going to reach out to me and they're going to be like, Bakari, we need you to do these 10 podcasts. We need you to go on these radio shows. We need you to go to these barbershops, go to these HBCUs and get these black folk coming out here. We want them to come register them to vote, make sure they vote. And what you want me to tell them? Like what you want me to... Because what happens, particularly with Democrats, and they don't want to hear this, or we don't want to hear this, is that people don't want to hear shit about Donald Trump no more. Don't nobody care about him. I mean, <laughs> running against him, <laughs> running against him, don't do, don't do nobody nothing. People want to know, what did you do for them? And again, there's this huge disconnect between the pain that Black folk feel in the streets in this administration. And they have, they've only been in office for a year. Right. So some of that smoke is unwarranted. However, you know, it's OK to raise that flag and raise that along. 
Bakari mm-hmm. Sellers. Oh, by the way, I want I want to mention something. <clears throat> My favorite book that I keep telling you guys about, The Sword and the Shield by Dr. Peniel Joseph. It's a dope book. It's an amazing book. Love the book. I read the book and I'm reading the book, you know, I'm reading the book. In the book, it's saying Dr. King and Malcolm X, they went and they talked to the kids from SNCC and they were taught the kids like Cleveland Sellers. And I'm like, that's fucking Bakari's dad. <laughs> and I'm and it's like Cleveland Sellers and Stokely Carmichael and Ella Baker and all of these people. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, that's Bakari's dad. So yeah. I just want to say I've never had the opportunity or the pleasure to meet your father, but man, that that's insane if he was a part. If you guys don't know what Snick is, or I, I, I would hope that if you're listening to the podcast, you know what Snick <laughs> is. But but that, that I just want to say shout out to Cleveland Sellers, man. I really do. Shout out to Cleveland Sellers. Right now, as we're taping, he's probably finishing up his his daily walkie takes. I do have a. It's funny though because I, I tell this joke all the time. I don't think people find it funny, but. Um, Dr. King, I always tell people Dr. King was not a perfect man by any stretch. In fact, Dr. King performed my daddy's first marriage and that thing lasted about six months. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. Actually. They were really, really close. Tell us about your book. Wait, you have a new, you have a new book. I do have a new, new York book. Times bestsellers list. Tell us about it. Yeah, we're number four on the New York Times bestsellers list. Who are your people? Go pick it up. It's a great book. They're trying to keep it out of schools, which is weird enough, but um, you know, it, it talks about our, our history. It's a picture book, man. It's for four to eight year olds. So make sure y'all go pick up a, a few copies of it, man. Who are your people in bookstores everywhere? Books are sold. All right, my they man. trying to keep it out of of, of play, uh, Texas schools in Texas. Every school, all of them. All of them. All of them. I'm about to go personally deliver this to Texas. It's Macari, <laughs> right? We appreciate you, my brother. All right, what's Thank up, Donnie? All right, guys, y'all be safe. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. All right, great interview. Isn't Bakari good? Bakari so should good. uh he, he should he should he does he 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 likes here's the thing about Bakari. Bakari loves, loves, loves the spotlight. Oh, he, oh, he loves the spotlight. We need Bakari to get back in politics. That's a question we should have asked him. Would he? Is there like Eventually does he want he to? Okay. Yeah, I'm sure he he will. I'm just joking around with him. He's he's got no, his hands but that's in so a good many question. things. He's done so much good work. I'm just joking with him. But he's just every time I talk to him, I'm like, God damn, I will vote for this nigga. <laughs> I will move to South Carolina just to vote for him. The guy's just he's mm, calm down. Okay. All right. Uh He's my friend, Rachel. He's my friend. Um, okay. Uh, did you see what happened 
this weekend with Ari Lennox. Did you see him? I so. did. Ari, Ari Lennox is staying in the news. Like every week, it's something about Ari. She can't catch a break. Like leave Ari yes, alone. Yeah, leave Ari alone. Okay, so look, we're going to have a conversation. Ari Lennox is the homie. Love Ari Lennox. Love her music. She Same. has one of the most beautiful, distinct voices that is out there. Love the whole Dreamville family. Love all of these people. We're going to have a conversation here, to open a, 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 open a nuanced conversation about what went down. Okay, so Ari Lennox was doing an interview with a guy called Matt G. The name of his podcast is Podcast and Chill. He is from South Africa. And right, right in the beginning of the interview, he asked her a question that she felt like was a little bit too invasive. Uh, let's run the clip so you guys can hear what Mac G asked Ari Lennox. And where we at right now? Is someone fucking you good right now? You oh, my married? God. Whoa, there. <laughs> um, I'm not having... Whoa, that's a wild question. <laughs> Why that way? Why accent that way? Whoa. Because that's what you say in the song. You know what I mean? Oh, I love that part. Yeah, don't you remember the song? I do, but I don't I don't I didn't oh I guess I did say that. I did say that. <laughs> Let me um okay, you just threw you caught me off guard there, but uh I did say that. Okay, so they went on and they had an interview, they talked about all kinds of things. The interview, like when I first was looking for it, I didn't realize it was at the beginning of the interview. I didn't so know that I was, either until you just said that to me. So when I was looking forward in the clip, they were having such an amicable conversation during times I was watching it. I I, had, I thought it had to come at the end. And then when the interview ended, I'm like, well, where did it do this? He did it right at the beginning. Okay. So this has caused like a, a little mini debate. Obviously, Ari didn't appreciate that. She said she's not doing any interviews anymore, which is unfortunate because she is such a delight to interview. I love listening to her talk. She's such a delight to interview. She's very inquisitive, and she's always got great answers. She's very insightful. Uh, but she went to Twitter. She says, I'm just like, why was I alone on a call full of people? Why didn't anyone intervene? Why wasn't parts of the interview destroyed like the team promised? That's mm. something we're going to come back to. Mm -hmm. Why did it happen to begin with? I just feel slow and ambushed and blindsided. But fuck it. I don't want anyone feeling sorry for me. I'm tired of the narrative. Exhausted. I'm good. I promise. But as far as interviews, I'm not doing it anymore. There's enough lives and interviews out there already. She said, just because I happily and freely sing and write about sex, don't make any type of creepy disrespect warranted. Right. I clearly was in immense shock and hate that I didn't react differently. Okay. So do you feel like that question was creepy and unwarranted? Absolutely. Do you want me, you want me to... I, uh... I don't know if you have well, another question or you want me to ex like explain that. Explain it because I, I'm going to offer another side of it. Sure. You have to look at the question in its totality, right? Okay. And one, he's asking her a very intrusive and personal question. Just because she's saying about it doesn't require you to ask her specifically that question. Two, he's supposed to be a, a, a journalist, we'll say a media personality. The fact that he couldn't pick up on the context clues that she was uncomfortable by that is troubling. It sounds like afterwards there was a conversation as well about removing that part of the interview because she didn't 
like the way that went. And as an interviewer, uh-huh. I think you should respect the interviewee. Just respect right. the whole business of it all. And the last thing is the timing of him asking that question. You are setting the entire tone for this interview by do, by asking a very clickbaity question that is potentially disrespectful. Just because someone writes about it, sings about it, talks about it, doesn't give you, that's them having the power over their words and their feelings. It doesn't give you the opportunity to just flat out ask the question in that way, especially a man coming from a woman. It also might've been different if it was woman to woman, but just to, you could have asked her about her relationship about her personal life, about her sex life even, without phrasing it in such a grotesque way. So I think if you look at all of those factors together, it's extremely inappropriate. Okay. Uh, I I agree with you. Because um, the way I look at it is it's inappropriate. If she says it's inappropriate, right? If she says it's inappropriate. She doesn't like the energy that came out. It's inappropriate. Uh, Bobby Smurda had the song out, Hot Nigga, right? And people talk about, yeah, you're doing it right now. People talk about, people act like Bobby just started dancing. Bobby was doing a little shimmy then. Bobby <laughs> been dancing. Man. Uh, but in the song Hot Nigga, I think the, the thing that raised the most eyebrows to me when I was listening to that as like a 34, 35-year-old guy, whatever <laughs> I was when that, when that came out, <laughs> is Bobby says in that song, I've been selling crack since like the fifth grade. Every time I would hear that, a part of my soul would die. It's kids everywhere going, I've been selling crack since like the fifth grade, which is a very serious thing to say. Let's say I'm in an interview with Bobby Smyrna and I go, yo, man, you really been selling crack since like the fifth grade? And then Bobby Smyrna goes, well, that's something really personal to ask me about, man. That's about my home life, my whatever, whatever. Is it what I'm saying is, if you're Mac G, isn't there, because people are, obviously it was inappropriate, he should have apologized, and if her team wanted it out, he should have taken it, taken it out. But is it unfair to assume that he can ask her about something that she put in the song? It's the way you ask the question. It's not that, it's not that the topic of sex was off limits. She talks about sex a lot in songs. But it's the way that he asked it that was disrespectful. And I think that's how you have to look at it. Also, in rap, talking about, you know, we talked, we had this conversation, violence, drugs is seen as a form of like credibility. It's seen as seen as like, I guess, cool or you know what I mean? Like it's appropriate. Oh, talking about sex is seen as cool in in, in, in songs as well. But here's the thing. He asked her specifically who she's fucking. Like well, she says that she he asked her a direct line in the song. But is she, I, I guess I have to hear how she sings it. Because when he said that, I was like, does she say, what song does she say that in? Like, I was like, which which one? I need to hear how she says it. Because is she asking the question or is she saying who she's fucking? Because there's a difference, right? He said a fact. I've been selling crack since the fifth grade. Did she yeah. say, I'm fucking so-and-so, so-and-so? If she, he said, he said, she, he said it, well... Well, he's what she says. Hold on, hold on. Let's look. Let's look at the song lyric itself. Yeah. By the way, totally team Ari here. No, I know, I know. I just want to make. I just want to make sure that like, hold on. Let me look up the Ari Lennox. So the song is called Pussy. So if I pop this pussy for you tonight, it's a, the the. 
Hold on. It's so much dirtier when you just read it. <laughs> if I pop this pussy for you tonight, won't you promise that I'm going to be your wife? Which seems like, you know. Okay, so she's like, like, and also she's like, if you really love me, I'll fuck you good. And then she says it over and over again. She's like, I'll treat you how you should. Okay. Yeah. Never did she give it's it's totally yeah. different. He, Mac G, Mac G's, Mac G's, I fucked up. Mac G, I tried to, I, I tried to be, I, probably, I tried to be white devil's advocate, Mac G, but nah. If you really love me, I'll fuck you good. She doesn't say anything about <laughs> it personal. Who she's, you know what I mean? Like who she's fucking. It, it, it was, and to say it off the bat, it's like, bro, like if he did it, to she go really viral. didn't even say it. Yeah, Mac. That's Mac, why she was Mac, like, did I say that? Did I say that? It, not really, Mac G. Why you treat Why you treat her like that, man? And he kept laughing. That's when it became creepy. She's like, "What?" And he's like doing this creepy laugh, and it's like, "Bruh, that's and that's all that was on becoming, his mind." It ended up becoming like a uh, like a <laughs> like a South Africa versus the United States thing. Did you see that? <laughs> no. it, it started. To, it started to become like uh, it started to become like. The U.S. can't the U.S. can't get mad at Mac G when they have Charlemagne the God saying stuff like this. They started wow. you know, they started wow. circulating. Yeah, but I don't think that it's it was problematic for him to ask her about sex. I think it's, it's the way he yeah. phrased it that was extremely disrespectful. And the moment you saw that she was uncomfortable with it, that's when you either apologize or you move on or ask her if she wants to remove that part of the conversation. It's like, man, how often have you interviewed someone where you're like? Hey, do you want, are you comfortable with me asking this? Do you want me to remove this? You know what I mean? Well, I would never in an interview, like, see, my my tactic as an interviewer is I go where you go. I remember I was interviewing, uh, mm-hmm. I was interviewing uh, Evelyn Lozada and Shawnee O'Neal, and they started talking about anal sex, so I started talking about anal sure. sex. Sure, But I'm game. never going to bring up anal sex to them. You know what I mean? Mac like, G would. Mac G, Mac G's out there in this bitch. My, but and you, they would be like, well, our show comes out annually. Okay, well, since you brought up anal sex, that's literally what Matt, that, like, that's, that's how he did. <laughs> uh, okay, so look, here's the reality. The cops are crooked. Here's the reality. The cops are crooked. Uh, NYC judge has dismissed Dismissed over 100 felony convictions tied to an ex NYPD detective charged with perjury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 100 people. It shows you the unbelievable ripple effect mm-hmm. that one individual who wears a shield can have on the lives of hundreds, if not thousands. Overturning a wrongful conviction is not a substitute for justice because the damage has already been done. Filing a lawsuit against the NYPD uh, and receiving financial reparations for that is a step towards justice. Uh, will America ever listen to the cries of people who tell who are telling them that policing is broken, broken in a way that needs either complete repair or complete destruction? Will we ever be able to make that point? No, because um, they'll look at this as that was just one bad apple. The majority uh-huh. of the force is good. Or they'll bring up an instance where the police did something where they, you know, like did a sweep or did something or like, you know, like took a bunch of people or criminals off the street or captured somebody that was, you know, wanted. 
uh, high profile. They they'll use that to bolster their argument that this is why police are good and nothing should be changed. This guy was the exception. That's how they'll look at it. So I don't see it ever happening. But what I will say is the way you can, the way the narrative has to change is not just finding that this guy committed perjury, but it takes a prosecutor and a DA's office to say, well, we're going to now say, you know what, we're going to go find all his cases and we're going to make sure that we're going to dismiss these. We're going to present these to a judge that these cases should be dismissed because the person who was a part of them, who was a key witness or who arrested them was corrupt. That's what's going to have to take. And it just immediately made me think of what's happening in, you know, your neck of the woods, right? Yeah, like that's, yeah. that is what needs to happen. You need to have a prosecution team or a DA's office say, hey, this person, it's like a ripple effect. And they were, if they think this way, then every case that they've been involved with has been tainted. And how can you say that the person had a fair trial when the person that was involved thought this way or acts this way? Independent, citizen-based oversight of police forces. Independent, citizen-based oversight. There are some places that have this. The degree to which it's successful is kind of up in the air, but I think it can be more successful, and I'll tell you why. You defund police, right? When I say defund, let's not use that term anymore. You divert money from police budgets to places where justice commissions can be established and funded to to, to have independent citizen oversight of the police. Any police officer, I'm talking about on a grand scale, almost the federalization of it. Any police officer that is really out to protect and serve citizens should have no problem at all working with citizens to ensure that policing is free of bias, as free of bias and corruption as it can be. I don't understand why they always balk at the idea of giving us, letting us be proactive in policing ourselves and policing the police. You know, to me, to me, I think that if you had situations like this, you could stop stuff like this. Now, the re- the reality is that these guys are going to lose these men and women, I'm assuming, are going to lose years and years out of their life that they can't get back because of this stuff. I'm telling you, citizens, independent citizen oversight has been done a couple of places, but there are answers to these questions, but they just need to be funded and they need to be made as much of a priority as the police are. People understand that the police is a priority. I'm tired of going back and forth with them. But what are the other priorities that we have? One of them has to be like ensuring that police are doing their jobs in a way that actually enforces the rights of Americans. So I'm, 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 come, on, come on, man. But, the, but also, we got to keep talking about this because how many people won't know this story? You know what I mean? It's very true. So you have to put it out there. That's very true. Oh, oh, I have a question to ask you Uh-oh. before I get to Van's very serious question. Uh-oh. Okay, so a friend of mine, his name is Kenny Hamilton. Shout out to Kimmy, Kenny Hamilton. Kenny know, Hamilton's doing his Kenny. thing. You know Kenny. Kenny's doing his fucking thing out here in these streets. Kenny's the man. Be honest with me. Kenny's the man. Kenny's you? the man. Kenny's the fucking man. Okay, Kenny Hamilton. Kenny Hamilton hits me up. Me and him are going to work. He's got an amazing artist named Dixon. Dixon? That, uh, Dixon, yeah. Yeah. I don't by know way, if you, you said you, Dixie or Dixon. You, by the way, you you 
you pronounce prosecutor weirdly when you said it again. You said prosecutor. Now you, you did, that's not how you say prosecution it. is what I said. I said prosecutor. You said it weird. Like we'll run it back. Prosecutor. 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 Everybody go back and listen to how Rachel said Imitate prosecutor. Imitate me. How did I say How, do, how did you I can't remember. You say I it. I remember in the, in the moment, like you said prosecutor, and I was like, why'd she say it that way? Prosecutor. Now I'm all... Prosecutor. No, you, you, prosecutor. That's how you... Go! Oh, hold on. That's See it? that second way? Prosecutor. So I'm, em- I'm emphasizing the wrong part. The Q. Yeah, like like you... Prosecutor. Like, prosecutor. Yeah. Okay. No, this, that's, that's regular. Prosecutor. Like you said it, the Q. I was like, why are you all on the Q? Because you're Delta. Okay. Uh, but no, so Kenny Hamilton reached out to me. Let me go back to this this this, this situation. Kenny, who I talked to, we're going to do some work together. Me and Kenny building some shit. And he put me in contact with a woman named Tamika Hamilton. I don't think there's any relation there, but she is a Republican who is uh, running for office, candidate for Congress, California, uh, District 6, okay? All of that stuff. She is supposed to be, I don't know much about her. I've only read some of her tweets. She is supposed to be, what Kenny says, is she's a Republican that's not one of, she's not a crazy Republican so she's that a we moderate. think of. I don't know if she's moderate or not. Apparently, she's somebody that you can talk to. Would you be open to having her on the podcast? What on is Thursday? she running for? She's running for Congress, California in the sixth district. Okay, so local or state Congress. Yeah, she's running for Congress. She was she was in the military. She's the well, no, of I five. know, but it's like not U.S. It's state. It's the state Congress. I guess so. Yeah, okay. state Congress. She's she's uh. Can I do uh, some more research before we bring somebody on? Now, see, why would we need to do more research? I kind of want to know who I'm talking to. Oh, well, we have to do more research, but is it because is it because she's a conservative that we have to do more research? Well, I just wanted, I mean, if what if she says something wild and we're using our podcast and giving her a platform to spew then out? We just some come wild. back. We just fine. come back at her. Fine. We fine. just come back at her. Fine. Nah, we don't need to We'll trust oh, Kenny. Oh. We'll trust Kenny. We'll bring her on. Well, well no, if you don't want to have her on, no, no, we I didn't won't say have her no. I just asked for right. no, fine, bring her on. You're right. We were t- saying we Let's, were gonna bring somebody that was conservative on anyway. Let's bring her on. Let's, so Kenny what about backs this her? Tweet? Kenny backs her? Kenny, Kenny was a fan. Okay. Uh, but Kenny also, I don't know where Kenny's politics are. Kenny like owns Delilah or something like that. He Kenny doesn't might, own Delilah. Is he a part of the H. <laughs> Wood group? <laughs> he, he, owns, he, owns, he owns a part. Like he owns all kinds of different shit. Like he, he Kenny a owns a H-Wood. ton of shit. He's part of the H. Wood group. Yeah. So hold on. This, this is, is something great. Tamika Hamilton's I, I, need, I need an invite into the party uh, for Super Bowl. So let's do Kenny a favor. I'm definitely not going to that <laughs> shit. <laughs> I got the antibodies. I'm good. That's it, that shit, the, that, that shit is the Omicron Super Bowl. Just, I, I could I go. Can't, I can't I can go, you. but that shit is the Omicron Super Bowl. I might have some people in town. I might see if I could go, though, because those people might player be all proof, excited. Is the player proof coming to town? Nah, they, them niggas not coming. Them okay. niggas might be mad at me. Uh, so look, <laughs> this is one of Tamika's tweets. The reason Joe Rogan has the biggest audience in America right now isn't because people agree with everything that he says. People just want to hear discourse and discussions without the filter and constant bickering of cable news. America just wants to dialogue again. What do you think about that tweet? I don't think she's wrong. 
I think that he's polarizing in the same way that people for sports want to go to hear what Stephen A. Smith has to say because they know it's going to be entertaining and a, a little bit jarring sometimes. I think that's the effect that, that um, Joe Rogan has. Like, you know, you never know what you're going to get. But you know it's going to be, it, it's probably going to be a little controversial. And he yeah, generates looking, conversation. Sure. I, I don't think that I'm looking that, at that's a, a wild tweet from her. I'm looking at some of the other tweets. I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it actually, whatever, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk we'll see. to her. Okay. We'll bring her on. Yeah. Okay. Van's very serious question of the week. We are both black people, but we're also African-Americans. I saw this on the, on the Reddit. For you, would you rather be called, would this refer to you ethnically, black or African-American and why? So I always say black. Uh, <laughs> Okay, let me think about this. I definitely always say black. That's for sure. I'm more so thinking about the why. Um, when I hear African-American, it sounds like a census term to me. It sounds like a politically correct term, especially in light of what we talked about in the last podcast where uh, Mitch McConnell doesn't even see us as American. It, it's like, I'd rather just be black. And I think black because black too is all encompassing. It's not just a box that you check on a census. It's not just a term that you say, because people love to say African-American because they think that it makes me feel more comfortable as if I feel uncomfortable being called black. Like I'm very proud to be black. I always define myself as a black woman. Um, and again, it doesn't just, when I say black, I feel like I feel more connected to the black experience in the world rather than just, saying that I'm an African-American and I'm just a part of this country. I just feel more connected to my people when I identify as Black. I also think that it's interesting for the people who don't want to be called Black, because then the question is why? Do you find the term offensive? Do you find the term, like, I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I, I can't even say why, because I don't understand people who are offended by being called Black. I, you, that's a question you would have to ask them, but I'm, proud to be black. I like being defined that way. I think that there's pride and there's a history in it, you know, as the term towards us has changed over time in this country. To me, black is something that I'm comfortable with. And I don't know, it defines who I am. Huh. Okay. I also go for black. I gotta be honest with you. African American sounds condescending to me. It's politically correct. Whatever but that means. It's Ooh. it's it's almost like yeah, Bose was doing this thing back there because he's black too. You know? <laughs> it's uh it's almost as if it's almost as if if you respected my blackness, you would need to call me an African American. Yeah. African American is you trying to like African-American is you trying to show deference to me. Oh, we, rep we, 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 we recognize that you're an African-American, that you, you know, your long history. How about you recognize and, and value my blackness? 
recognize and value my blackness, the blackness that 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 we've sacrificed for and gone through shit for and created in the face of all of that. You would need to call me like a fancy term. And I get it. I get it that African-American was part of a movement for people to reconnect with their African roots. But now we understand something is that we all black and black itself. The term black itself doesn't have the best origins. I wish that I could just refer to myself as a Louisianian or a Badrugian or a Nigerian, which is where the little thing says I come from. Right? Oh, you did a DNA test? I thought you were against uh, that. I was, but I, I got, you know, after dad, I kind of went through this little phase where I wanted to figure out, you know, the me's and the why's or whatever. And look, the government having my DNA is not a big deal. The government knows everything about me. Right. I'm more concerned if they get, you know, the browser history than I am if they get the DNA. But (laughs) but uh, but no, so it's like, you know, I I like I wish that they I wish that they respected me enough to respect my blackness. My blackness is what the blackness is what America needs to to reconcile with the blackness don't and you can't do that by calling me african-american don't you don't you feel like people are afraid to say black like they think they're doing you a favor or it's watering down your blackness when they're like african-american i almost find it more offensive i usually correct people i'm like black like they're almost donnie, uncomfortable saying black donnie pop on donnie has a question i think it's a good question yeah uh-huh. uh what about okay. if someone were to put the s on the end of black Referring give me, to you as give me, give, the black. It depends how it's used. I love, I love the blacks. Okay, so here's the so here's the, the deal. The, the. That, like, let me tell you my problem with that. It's the, the. My, 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 my my problem with that is that that right there that gives off a, a sort of familiarity and an intimacy that you don't have. So like I can say that I can say that's some black shit. Yeah. I can say that's some whatever shit. You need to humanize me when you speak to me because we're to that. Because that's the level of trust we have for one another. So when you speak to me, you need to humanize me. So what you need to say is black people. Yeah. You don't have to say African-American people. You don't have to say African-Americans. You can say black, but you have to say black people. All right. Because I don't trust that you think I'm a person. (laughs) I have no reason. So if I'm talking to Rachel, me and Rachel could be like, yeah, that's some black shit. Miss me with that black shit. Rachel could say that. I could say that. You know what I mean? But if you're white and you're talking to me, you saying the blacks or blacks feel this way or blacks feel that way. Nah, you don't get that privilege. You haven't you're you haven't earned that privilege to 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 lump us together like that. You need to humanize the 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 people in that. So that's how I feel. Why do you think some white people are uncomfortable saying black and feel and it makes them more comfortable saying African American? They should be they should be uncomfortable. Like, but the reason why they're uncomfortable is probably because of the fact it's it's the same reason why you're uncomfortable anytime you've been doing some shit you ain't had no business been <laughs> doing, and you come into a situation where everyone knows what the fuck you did, and now you don't know how to fucking fix it, right? It's the same reason. That's why they're uncomfortable because they don't know, and they ain't supposed to know. They ain't supposed to know because it hasn't been long enough where everybody's been cool. If it's long enough and everybody's been really cool, then we can take some chances. But guess what? We're not fucking there yet. They try to stop us from voting. They try to stop. They try to make sure that the police can keep kicking us in our ass. Black people. As a matter of fact, 
Don't even call me black. Don't even call it Mr. Black People. <laughs> Mrs. Black People. No. King. Queen. Like at least a duke. You know what I mean? Like or, or something like that. Like, like like fucking stand up straight, white America. You can call me black. I I I don't like when people ask me which one I prefer. Call me black. Okay. Maybe maybe that's what some other people in Bachelor Nation. I know we have a lot of Bachelor Nation people who says prefer to be called call me black. I know what they call black people in Bachelor Nation. What they Niggas. call that's what they call that's what Bachelor Nation. That's what Bachelor Nation calls. I didn't even get a chance to say what they, do they like, call us. They, just, they call them niggas. <laughs> Bachelor Nation is fucking something else. No, right. no, they call them colored. That's that's colored. They're they're definitely colored folk. It has been told to me on multiple occasions that there were people who lived in the house in very recent seasons who were referring to black people as colored. Yeah. Since you said batch, god damn batch. Batches. <laughs> batch. batch is something else. Batch shit All crazy. Right. Batch shit crazy. All right. Uh batch shit crazy. Yeah, was that was that what you said? Yeah. Batch? Yeah. Batch yeah. Shit. That's I did. interesting. I did that. All right. Uh, we're out of here. Um, that is enough for us. I am Van Lathan. Thank you, think caps off, but do not stop learning. Thank you to our producers, Donnie yes. Beecham and Trudy Joseph. And thank you for Bakari Sellers for joining us today. Absolutely. And I am Rachel Lynn Lindsay. You guys go get Miss Me With That if you haven't already. It's out now. Order it for somebody else. Um, I think you guys will really enjoy it. So if you are and thank listening you to for this, supporting if you already have. And you want me to follow you on social media, I will follow you. Oh, that's the key. If you provide proof that you bought, miss me with that. Oh, I'll man. follow you. I'll follow you. If you provide proof that you bought it, that should give you that should get you 10 book sales right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, bye bye, y'all. Bye.